Welcome back to this episode of Probably About Politics. Today, we're keeping it fast and loose. Mm. We're also taking our time. Just chilling. <laughs> yeah, sure. A bit of a bit of a postponement for the episode today. Um, given the worldwide circumstances, mm. uh, we, we're in unprecedented times of a lack of elections. Yes. Uh, not since the 1600s have we seen this few amount of democratic elections. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, this has really shaken the entire premise of our podcast, potentially. You know, we always said, I feel like we've said this before, people are on four-year cycles, there's 50 weeks in a year, there's 200 countries, that's one election a week. We can do this. Yeah. But it turns out sometimes nobody has an election. <laughs> <laughs> And, yes. and even if you plan out really well at the start of the year, hey, this is when we're going to cover these countries and we really tried. Mm -hmm. For some reason, everybody's yeah. not having an election right now. It really feels like like this was one of the, not that we didn't have plans previous years, but this was a year where we really sat down and we were like, this is what we're going to do. These are our goals and objectives. Um, and, and look where that got us. This is the year where we have a document called... 2020 plan <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like there are a lot of those documents that are now being you know sort of thrown out so true but part of that planning process meant that we have new segments on the show mm -hmm. and those new segments are really coming in clutch here to fill up the time <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah and you look look it turns out that uh, we are covering an election today, even though it's postponed, because there's still stuff to say about that. We'll see what happens next month. Yeah, but I think we should get into the good news corner. All right. Without further ado. Yes. Actually, you know what? Before we do good news, Kaylee. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I feel like uh, I've recently become like enthusiastically pushing you to do more episodes of this podcast. Like I like, I'll fill the time. Yeah. Well, we have a full episode of Space News coming out probably next week. We mm -hmm. might record that sometime yes. this week. And it's it's a bonus episode, not replacing any other episodes. Exactly. So it's an exciting month. Well, we have so much free time because of this long weekend. <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, so we are recording this on Good Friday. Are we allowed to say what day we were recording on? Yeah, sure. of course. But how are you, Alex? I'm doing very well. It's great. And you know, we have uh, this good long weekend here mm -hmm. beautiful weather outside good good to pace in the backyard outside with this kind of weather <laughs> <laughs> we don't ha we don't have the snowfall yes uh that's out in new brunswick right now yeah yeah uh, no. but yeah, it's just blue skies and green grass here yeah i keep looking at the snow and like like contemplating like what could i just get rid of it somehow like light a fire or something but i don't know what the solution is i think it just has to stay i saw that i saw a post and said fires aren't canceled. <laughs> well, but they that. are. Some provinces have uh, issued no burn, no burn uh, laws or whatever. You know. Well, here's the fact of the matter, Kaylee. Yeah. Are you going to encourage <laughs> this... me to light a fire? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Let's get into the good news <laughs> before we talk with the bad news. Mm -hmm. Having to. <laughs> crowdfund you to pay your thousand dollar fine for setting fires not only during a burn ban and during a pandemic but also in a very urban yeah setting. i'm like i'm not in the middle of nowhere but yeah okay uh so i won't do that that's that's my good news yeah. i'm not gonna set a fire all right i want to go first for good you news. should yeah go uh so since 
2007. Mm-hmm. I know this is supposed to be news, but mm-hmm. we have to go back 13 years <laughs> first. Okay. Yeah, context. Uh, since 2007, um, there have been a small group in Colorado that have been pushing to change who is celebrated on and the name of Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. And recently, so, so this legislation was first read in 2007. And it's mm-hmm. been a long time coming in Colorado because I guess it's not it's not super important. No one's, you know, their first hundred days in office are to write new legislation changing who is venerated by uh, Columbus Day. <laughs> but recently, um, legislation was passed in Colorado to venerate instead of Columbus, change it to Christopher Columbus, mm-hmm. to instead celebrate uh, Francis Xavier uh, Sabrini. Uh, called Mother Sabrini by some. Um, she was a. She's now a Catholic saint, and she did a lot of work in the states, uh, building orphanages and stuff like that. Classic saint things mm-hmm. in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. And so Colorado decided to instead of um, celebrating Christopher Columbus, which has, who has in recent times become quite a controversial figure, uh, at least in the public imagination, since he's not been around for. Five six hundred years or so. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think to a certain degree, he's always been a bit controversial. But yes, but I mean, growing up, nobody was like super yeah, that's about Columbus true. Day that's so true. much. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, people are more or less upset about it, mm-hmm. especially in the United States where they celebrate Columbus Day. <laughs> uh, and so instead, they change it to celebrate this uh, this woman, this saint, and notably, Sabrini Day in Colorado is now the only paid uh, statutory holiday in the United States that is celebrating or named after a woman. Hmm. And so this is uh, big news. A lot of people are super excited about it. <clears throat> Some people are like, oh, you know, Catholic Church history with treatment of mm. Native people yeah. in the United States. Not necessarily great. So similar track record to Christopher Columbus, potentially. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. she was really great. She was, uh, her, her, her miracle to become a saint was that she cured the blindness of a one-day-old child wow uh how cool is that that, i mean it's it's cool i have questions about it um facts kaylee facts (laughs) all right i'll just i'll accept the mystery of that but i i I also i don't know if you'll know the answer to this but like i was you like said like this is the first woman in to get a state holiday in the u.s but like i guess like broadly internationally like in canada can you think of any uh, provincial state holidays. or state holidays <laughs> that are for women like or like that are like specifically like a woman or women based at... yes okay what is it yes <laughs> i'm gonna crush you okay right here all right, right all right look i the fact kaylee victoria Day. oh yeah Pay i attention. guess Please. there we Come go and maybe civil <laughs> like a similar level of like yeah that's a uh, you know like the catholic church has a complicated uh relationship the monarchy also has a lot of baggage <laughs> yes so look, yes. uh, it makes sense. Never mind. I should I should have realized this. But interestingly, if you go to uh, Francis Xavier Sabrini's Wikipedia page under her veneration mm-hmm. section, uh, you will see that she is informally recognized <laughs> as an effective intercessor for finding a parking space. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? So, what? What does that mean so, exactly? So, well, right after that is a quote from one priest who says, she lived in New York City. She understands traffic. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's just like if you pray to her, you might 
get a parking spot more easily is that the yeah. idea like if you're driving or yeah exactly like yeah. if you're driving around in circles and you're like i have this job interview that i need to i need to get to my kid's graduation and i also have a dentist appointment all at the same time i need a parking spot <laughs> there you go bang she's got you there really is um i was speaking to a catholic friend once about how there's just like there's a saint for everything really like there's a lot of yeah. saints, yeah and uh, not a world i'm very familiar with so it's interesting yeah, I mean, when you when you only have like one God mm-hmm. or one God in three persons, depending on how <laughs> into theology this podcast is going to go, uh, you like when you when you have like a bunch of gods, you can have like gods for all these different things. But uh, if you want, you know, gods to care for everything, just make saints and they'll care for each thing. But before we get too deep into this, <laughs> let's let's look at some other good news. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kind of I. I will admit mine is maybe, you know, I had whale poop last time, so I've taken a more serious tone this time. Um, And I know, like, I don't know if you've been, like, reading sort of the news on this idea that, like, uh, the pandemic has had some uh, some climate impacts that have been positive and like people talking about that yes um and so the water runs clear in venice yeah the sea turtles in brazil can find the water again yes so i wanted to kind of look at that but in a more complicated way because those are sort of like we look at that we think that that's a good thing but it's it's not <laughs> that's what i hear it, everybody who tunes into the podcast they say hey could you look at things in a more complicated way actually <laughs> It's just, those are perhaps imperfect measures for, uh, like, a, a good thing that's happening in this pandemic. Uh, mostly because, uh, similar to the 2008-2009 economic recession, where we also saw, like, a decrease in emissions and mm-hmm. some evening out occurring, um, immediately afterwards... Wait. Are you trying to tell us that our good news that we did think was good news is actually bad news, and that's what you're presenting for Good News Corner? Well, uh, no, I, it's a, it's, it's a, it's we're getting there. It's a cycle. It's going to come back around. I'm get, I'm, okay. We're, we're okay. stopping at bad news right now, but it's one stop on the ride. Um, okay. Anyway, so, but pre-pandemic or pre like the levels afterwards uh, immediately sort of bounce back and, and in many ways bounce back worse because, uh, the economic investments that governments made to try and reboost the economy after a recession were really focused mm-hmm. on, uh, fossil fuel, uh, industries and, uh, emissions heavy, uh, activities. Yes. Like airlines. Yeah. Uh, and so, the uh, International Energy Agency uh, is kind of urging governments to start thinking now about when they're planning their economic stimulus, how can they revive the economy and reduce carbon in- uh, and like reduce carbon emissions at the same time? Because mm-hmm. you're sort of at this like this. There's a lot of I guess I don't know if if everybody's experiencing this, but I've talked to a lot of friends who are kind of like, what do you think will happen after this? So many things must have to there is so much opportunity for change or like because so or 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 things will <laughs> you be don't different have to play this like i don't know if you've been talking about this kill i've been talking to you about this yeah i know <laughs> well look i i didn't want to you know didn't want to force you to talk to me about it uh <laughs> uh didn't know if you wanted to reveal how much we talk outside of this podcast <laughs> right okay this is, this is a this is our once weekly conversation uh but no anyway um you're still keeping up that charade that this podcast happens weekly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this month we're getting pretty close. In anyway, so you have to kind of 
revive the economy somehow afterwards. So we're mm. about to enter mm-hmm. a recession that is worse than the 2008-2009 recession. Uh, yes. And and it's sort of revealed a lot of vulnerabilities in our healthcare systems and, and many uh, social systems that exist in, in countries as well. So a lot of things are going to have to be rebuilt. Um, and so you kind of find yourself at a crossroads where you can either rebuild essentially in the old way, which presented a lot of weaknesses for how we responded to the pandemic, or you can rebuild potentially in a new way where we can address uh, the weaknesses that occurred in the pandemic, but also address other challenges that may be uh, knocking, maybe about to knock on our doorstep. Uh, And as I think many people have experienced, waiting until the pandemic sort of got to us uh, has probably made it a lot more challenging. So the idea being that you could invest significantly in public works projects that are environmentally friendly, like tree planting, wetland restoration, energy efficiency, retrofits of public buildings, like schools and hospitals. So so it's just about and, and encouraging uh, that practice from the federal and provincial governments, but then also um, having them model the government's model and encourage that in the private sector. Um, and, and, and in their citizens who are sort of like trying to figure out, you know, we're, you're not, maybe you're not building from zero, but you're, you're, you have to restart something. And do you do it the mm-hmm. old way or do you do it the new way? And that's the positive yeah. spin, I think, that is more truthful mm-hmm. than the water running clear in the Venice canals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, this is kind of good because I've seen a lot of people talking about this and saying, wow, look at this, like, reaction that the world has done for Mm -hmm. this you know world ending catastrophe that's so bad and we see that when we look at something that's in the present we're pretty we're very good Mm -hmm. at responding to it yeah um but uh you know an equally bad or much worse uh catastrophe that looms but is more than you know three months away Mm -hmm. uh nobody really does anything about and so Using this to spur and spin change yes. is good opportunism, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think there's a, there will be a lot of interest. It'll be very interesting and probably we'll get lots of things to talk about on the podcast to s- talk about what comes out of this. There will be certainly some governments who are more geared and opening open to doing proactive policy, perhaps, that that adapts mm-hmm. to the opportunity um than others and and i think we'll we'll definitely get to talk about this a lot on the podcast in different ways but uh it's something interesting to think about generally a lot of people are talking about the pandemic Mm -hmm. and so few people just because it's timed at the same time are talking about the like russian saudi price war on oil as well yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) and hey what better time to invest in green energy all Mm -hmm. of a sudden than to pump a ton you know 200 billion dollars into battery technology <laughs> what my my good news corner thing was actually going to be germany just recorded its first entire quarter of a year mm-hmm. uh where over 50 percent of its domestic electricity usage was uh from renewable resources wow that's cool partly because of expansion of green technologies but also partly to do with uh the pandemic and a lot of stuff being shut down and there being mm. you know, lower energy consumption um but it also makes it so that it looks like Germany's actually going to hit its 2020 uh, emission goals. Mm-hmm. And it seems like what those numbers look like are actually pretty sustainable numbers from all this expansion yeah. of green technology. And it looks like it's 
it was just kind of nice to see it looked like a country was actually going to hit some sort of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> climate target. I mean, yeah, which is this, not a headline uh, you see often. The the article that like sort of I based a lot of this on um, also talks about how yeah it's a reset that like makes it actually possible for Canada to try and make its goals, um, and, yeah. and that's you know previously unattainable. So I guess thanks pandemic. I don't know. All right, moving on. <laughs> Speaking of a good time to try and get things done, (laughs) (laughs) it is not a good time to try and get an election done. Now, this election that we're talking about today, we're talking about the Sri Lankan parliamentary election for 2020. Um, This, the call for this election, the snap election was Mm -hmm. called a long time ago. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It has been. So this, this, this election in Sri Lanka has been brewing for a couple of years now mm-hmm. instigated from this uh parliamentary or this uh constitutional crisis um from a few years ago uh from a constitutional amendment back in 2015 and the structure of their government was changed a little bit um and so if you want to give some sort of mildly coherent rundown <laughs> <laughs> of exactly how this all has come to be in kind of past. <laughs> you can do that if you want. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it a try again. Every, it is a complicated and evolving situation in Sri Lanka. Okay, let's 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 stay away from the complexity right now. Yeah. Sri Lanka okay. Okay. Is an island nation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. That means it's totally surrounded by water. <laughs> All right. Sri Lanka has a population of. Just over 20 million people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Medium-sized country. It's off the coast of India. Um, I know one guy from Sri Lanka. Chandala, if you're listening to this, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> In Sri Lanka, they have a president mm-hmm. and a prime minister and this legislative body that the prime minister is head of. And they have also a court. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Like most places. Yeah. And so in 2015, there was this kind of erosion of democracy because there was an accumulation of power in certain branches Mm -hmm. right yeah and so what seeded this a long time ago was this amendment to the constitution which redistributed power and gave more power to the prime minister specifically yes right and the prime minister was now supposed to stay in power for as long as their government Mm -hmm. could like maintain power instead of being kind of more of a figure it kind of switched how things were done yes yeah and so with stage set they use proportional representation. Mm-hmm. We used to always talk about how they how they do these things. Um, they use proportional representation. They have 196 members of parliament, 22 regions, and then a little list of other of 29 other people that are just divvied up by uh, total vote percentage. Mm-hmm. Yes, they. So yeah, they're a country that. Um, was in a civil war for a very long time until about two uh, until about two thousand and nine, um, and then mm-hmm. they from two thousand and five to twenty fifteen, they had the same president, uh, President Rajapaksa, the the first. Uh, his brother is going to come into play here later, but he was sort <laughs> of he's he was the 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 president for a long time, um, and he is probably the one you would largely credit with a, a very much the centralizing of the power in the in the president um and then in response to that like the 
the power that he had centralized in his control and the sort of sense of corruption and human rights violations that were resulting from that, um, there was uh, constitutional changes to divide that power uh, between the president, uh, who gets a five-year term, and then the prime minister. Um, the, the president still holds like a, a fair deal of a good number of roles similar to many other countries have covered like appointing supreme court judges um and is essentially meant to govern in partnership with the prime minister so it would be ideal if they both agreed on things <laughs> um and uh so that's part of what has triggered the need for this election we'll mm-hmm. get to in a in a, a minute or two in this election is sort of resulting it, it did start in 2018 I guess, uh, as a result of uh, sort of the desire of uh, the president at the time, Siri Sina, wanting to uh, uh, switch and allow Rajapaksa, again, the first to be prime minister uh, in in this in his pre- uh, president prime minister sort of partnership, um, which was considered to be like an unconstitutional move to put him into place of power. Um, but mm-hmm. Uh, and and this for a while, uh, for a number of months, uh, Rajapaksa was sort of prime minister. But the guy who was prime minister when uh, when the president uh, decided to kick him out was also still prime minister. There there was disagreement about yes. who was prime minister. So Sri Lanka for a few months in 2018 had two prime ministers. Um, yes, <laughs> which because so. All of these things take months to happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like, let's call an election. And then, so you're like, okay, we're having an election now. But then it takes a long time mm-hmm. for the court. It takes like a month for the court to say, hey, that's not an unconstitutional election that yeah. you're having. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've already appointed a new prime minister. But now you got to put the old guy back in mm-hmm. who maybe never left. Yeah, uh, pretty much. And so it it created, yeah, it was, it, it was a constitutional crisis. And it created a lot of turmoil in the country to the... To the point where they saw, saw like a sig- significant uh, international sense that they destabilized and, and reductions in tourism, and you can sort of see the economy start to turn down, and then that gets made much so much worse uh, in April um, when they have the Easter crisis, uh, which is sort of the largest terrorist incident uh, and and um, loss of life since the Sri Lankan civil war. Um, mm-hmm. w- uh, it was bombings on several churches uh, and hotels, and it c- killed many people. Um, and it essentially uh, really destroyed a lot of progress that you could have attributed the Sri Lankan economy as having made um, in terms uh, in terms of tourism, uh, and had put the put the country in a lot of lockdown, uh, up, uh, really raised tensions between religious groups, which has always been a struggle for the country. The civil war was, uh, or religious ethnic groups, I guess. Uh, the, 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 there have always been tensions between the, uh, between different ethnic groups. And that's the root of the civil war, uh, conflict that maybe we won't dive too deeply into, but is sort of fundamental mm-hmm. to this election as well. Um, and that sort of also triggered uh, sort of more need for the election because it was realized that the current people in power had in many ways, perhaps as a result of the constitutional crisis with the two prime ministers, ignored uh, warnings that this uh, bombing may have taken, might take place or that, that something like this might happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, and as I think you can see in, in countries with sort of, who've previously had more authoritarian leaders or have had major conflicts and, and, uh, less history of democratic freedom, uh, the, this really did open the door for, uh, Rajapaksa's brother, who was the defense minister, uh, when Rajapaksa was president from 2005 to 2015 to come in and say, I'm going to run for president. Uh, I'm going to come back. I'm going to bring back the stability and the success and the, the, and, and the security that you felt in, mm-hmm. you felt we brought in the previous, uh, administration of his brother. Uh, so he won the presidential election and then, uh, the, the prime minister that, uh, Rajapaksa, I guess, so Mahinda Rajapaksa is the first president Mm -hmm. that is named Rajapaksa. (laughs) He was also the, the one that wanted to be prime minister, but couldn't be prime minister in 2018. But he's Uh, now running for prime minister. He is now prime minister also, like, because uh, the former prime minister uh, agreed when Rajapaksa's brother won the presidential election in this November uh, 2019, uh, Mm -hmm. he agreed to step down. And then uh, Mahinda Rajapaksa was brought on as the temporary prime minister until such time Mm -hmm. that the uh, that his brother could call uh, a parliamentary election. Yeah, and it, not an emergency government, but a, a temporary sort of... Uh, like a caretaker government. Yes, a caretaker government, that's the word. So yeah, so... And the idea being that they want to... They don't have c- control over the parliament, so a lot of the constitutional changes that the Rajapaksas would both like to make in order to re-centralize power can't be made right now. Um, so the idea with the parliamentary election would be to sort of solidify... Um, uh, the ability of this government to, well, make the changes that they said they ran, they ran on wanting to make, but also probably to reassert the authoritarian powers. They've also really uh, moved away from investigating some of the human rights concerns that resulted with the the end of the civil war in in two thousand and nine. And which is like perhaps unsurprising because the Rajapaksas are sort of strongly implicated in in that. There's a lot of uh, forced disappearances, and political and journalists dying it, it sort of towards the end and human rights violations that resulted. And the UN had uh, and Sri Lanka had come to an agreement that there would be proper investigations into that and and uh, and retribution sort of for victims and victims' families, uh, and uh, I don't know if it's surprising or not to you, but uh, perhaps uh, Rajapaksha and uh, the present Rajapaksha would rather not uh, look into that too closely. So, I think we can leave that there then. Yes. Uh, watch this Watch this space sort of leave it, I think. Maybe. Yeah, because who knows what's going to happen, and also who knows when it's going to happen. Yes, yeah. Um, because it could be... A uh, very long time in the future. So moving on to things that have already happened. Kaylee, do you want to cover what Mr. Antonio Gutierrez has been up to this week? Yes. Um, sure. It, Keep it light. Keep it light. All right. Uh, <laughs> I I cannot do that. So, <laughs> because he, like everybody, is really exclusively dealing with the pandemic at this point. Um, but he did recently write for The Guardian um, sort of his... Uh, 
he wrote an opinion piece for the Guardian um, on what the recovery from the coronavirus crisis must look like um, to create a better world. Uh, so he sort of in it, he kind of lays out sort of that the, the first step is obviously that, you know, each country, each locality um, and the world must, you know, be working to stop the transmission. Um, but then he sort of points out that there's sort of the next part of it that's really highlighting is that there's been a, a, a there's a significant social and economic dimension to this, that it is in its own way, a social and economic pandemic um, uh, that is impacting uh it is not sort of impacting in an even way. It is very much something that hits people um, where the health system is uh, much worse uh, or, or constrained or not, not working the way it should. Um, people in the global South are going to be much more impacted. Um, vulnerable populations um, in densely populated areas like slums um, or refugee settlements are going to be a lot more impacted. And so, and, and he sort of points out that like we, because of this, we live in a very interconnected world. Um, and the, we, we are only as strong, uh, which I think is, is a, a good point for, uh, and this, the, the struggle of, of both national and international government is he points out, we are only as strong as the weakest health system that we have, um, in, in a pandemic situation. So, uh, you have to we you have to kind of work all together um, and if if one person isn't doing well that will be bad for everybody um, it, it can't remain isolated by borders uh, so that I think that's interesting and then so I guess like maybe this was the theme I got this is why I got stuck on the theme that I'm on uh, but then he sort of talks about recovering better um, and that uh, that you know we can't wait until every problem is right at our door to try and solve it. And we have, we know that there are challenges that we are facing and they're coming. Um, and we can, we can be more proactive and we're hopefully he, he wants us to try and learn from that. Uh, and then he, he points to the 2030 agenda on sustainable development goals as, as a potential roadmap. Uh, and, uh, and then promises that the United Nations has fully mobilized its systems to support countries responses with our supply chains and we're at that they're at the world's uh, world's di- disposal and that the glow uh, and advocates for a global a global ceasefire i saw that i thought that was interesting as well this global ceasefire idea yeah it's always wild to me when i see the u.n call for like oh just like a week-long ceasefire just to like figure things out because yeah. they got to do something and so it's always like interesting to me that that a war might work that way Mm-hmm. That everybody just is just like, okay, let's just chill. Let's just do this other thing. This other thing is more important. But it would seem as though that if you could get everybody to agree that this other thing is more important, that it might also be possible to just agree that this first thing that you are killing each other over is not as important as that other thing. So maybe there are <laughs> potentially other reasons to not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it gets us into this whole complicated like idea that we, yeah, we exist in a world where there's like the Geneva Convention and there are rules of war that we are all like willing to follow, but that like killing each other is an acceptable part of that, I guess. I don't So yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like killing somebody should be against the Geneva. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it is interesting and I, I, and something, but it's not like entirely unprecedented, the idea of a ceasefire in in certain situations. And, and yeah, based on this, like, 
weird sense of sportsmanship that I think is is like gross when you dig into it, but I, is ultimately I guess what that is, you know. Um, All right, too dark, too yeah. heavy, too heavy, but, too dark. And it, yeah, I I I know that Antonio Guterres's thing is is or my this section is maybe not the lightest because he's also like his other work, but this was like his other work. This in the last couple of weeks has been like trying to uh advocate for a, a cease uh, i guess i he didn't say ceasefire but he said something very similar to uh in in domestic violence uh because domestic violence rates has really spiked uh in uh globally uh oh so i didn't want to dig into that but that is <laughs> Uh, something that is happening and is important to think about for our, I think our listeners and everybody. Um, and then also he was talking about how this uh, uh, does really open up space for uh, terrorism and uh, uh, increased like uh, ethnic and religious conflicts. Uh, if you know things aren't equitably done, which I think flashback to our earlier segment about Sri Lanka that is already having these tensions. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. as a result of, of of their government and their the treatment of their citizens and all those sorts of things, um, you can see how a pandemic health situation could take a situation that was rocky and make it worse, I guess. But uh, Heavy stuff, yeah. Kayla. Yeah, so maybe space news now? The image, the image that I want to leave that segment mm-hmm. with is Antonio Gutierrez writing this piece mm-hmm. for The Guardian. Yeah. Uh, to be like, hey, maybe think about these future things. And you know, heads of state, prime ministers, mm-hmm. sitting down in the evening, long day after all these press conferences, <laughs> crack open the Guardian, yeah. and they're like, "Well, damn, isn't that a good idea?" <laughs> and really taking it to heart. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, but I think it's good. Like, I think it was good. It's, it, I think it's useful for like you and I to be talking to be on the top of mind of uh, people who vote. And yeah, and and maybe think about it's. I think we've talked about it as well outside of the podcast in our conversations uh, that like a lot of things like in when you're focusing on an emergency that is so now, 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 you can really miss Mm -hmm. uh, that there are things outside of like both outside of your immediate bubble that are happening, but then also things that are going to happen in the future that you've got to be preparing for. And it's it's hard to do and it's a lot of work, but uh yeah, I mean, it's hard to focus on other things. You can see that because this podcast has not talked about uh, Putin's election for him to be president for life yet. Uh, we, <laughs> I think we might have mentioned it yeah, in passing, yeah, yeah. actually, on a past We've mentioned it at least <laughs> at least once before. Um, perhaps not enough, uh, but it is truly not going to make this podcast any lighthearted, more lighthearted. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on to something that uh, we have talked uh, partially about previously on the show all right today we're looking at do you remember the photo of the black hole oh yeah yeah uh yes. I, I remember being like kind of eh about it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay well if you're kind of eh about that you're gonna be even more well, meh about this it's just it was just like the picture is I, it's cool. Like I get that it's cool, but visually, it's like, oh yeah, cool. Space news. Ah, so the issue here is that this picture is like this picture. You can't really tell anything about it. <laughs> You're like, oh okay. I guess that should be how the way that is. I guess okay. Um, so the the real thing that we're looking at today is a quasar. 
Mm -hmm. which is a quasi-stellar object, which is just a cool name, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be a quasi-stellar object. You are. You can be. Oh, nice. Um, Actually, you can't. You can't, because these things... You have to be a supermassive black hole, which is like a million to a billion times heavier than the sun. Wow. And also be brighter than a, a thousand times brighter than an entire mm-hmm. galaxy. Um, so, and so, like, don't reach for the things, stars. But... <laughs> reach for the quasar. You have to, yeah. <laughs> you have to re- reach for the hundreds of millions of stars. <laughs> so, so, okay. So, quasars are super cool. So, basically, this observation that was made using the same, um, event horizon telescope mm-hmm. um that looked at the uh for listeners at home you can't see this but i'm just waving my arms around wildly right now mostly straight out in front of me <laughs> <laughs> uh it looked at uh this super old quasar and old by old i mean like one of the first ones that we knew about as people mm-hmm. but i mean this thing's also very old mm-hmm. billions of years old and so we're, they're looking at it they're studying this well-known object and a quasar if you've seen like cool pictures on the internet of space Mm -hmm. and they have like a really bright thing with like a jet or like beam of light shooting out of Mm -hmm. it on both sides Mm -hmm. that's probably a quasar that you've seen okay or a galaxy all right but anyway so this jet that comes flying out of the middle of these quasars you would imagine right (laughs) you would imagine that it goes in a straight line right because like something is shooting this jet out of it Mm -hmm. and it's hard to imagine like if you have a laser pointer Mm -hmm. right and you point it at something it's hard to imagine how in the middle of the air you could get that thing to bend like you think that it's like light generally travels in straight lines or like curved lines if it's going along like some magnet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this quasar's jet with these extremely precise new measurements is bent (laughs) kaylee okay it is bent does that mean that all quasars lights are bent or just this one? Oh, if only it was so simple to generalize oh, okay <laughs> so not even all quasars have jets uh, and we don't know why the quasars that have jets have jets necessarily like there's pretty good theories about it um but it's not it's not 100 percent nailed down um mm-hmm. and so whether or not those other jets are straight and this one is bent only or if this so the thing is is this one's bent and it also changes on like a daily basis like if you actually look at it with this super cool telescope up close yeah yeah normally you look at like galaxies and they rotate extremely rapidly but they're so Mm -hmm. big and far away that it looks like they're basically not moving yeah you can buy a telescope and own your whole life and every time you look at it it looks the same okay (laughs) which (laughs) makes backyard astronomy kind of boring yeah (laughs) at times (laughs) um so anyway this one this one's bent and it moves around a lot, but and they I think they uh, don't know why. We don't know. Why. They don't know yeah. why. Okay, okay. They don't know why yet. Yeah. At least I can't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> this this specific quasar, which is three C two seven nine, is is even a more special or quasar mm-hmm. because it's a blazar, <laughs> and a blazar, <laughs> a blazar. Is a yeah. quasar that's pointed so that its jet mm-hmm. is straight towards Earth. Okay. Uh, is so, that a bad thing that it's pointed straight towards Earth? Is it's it... not so bad because it's 5 billion light years away. Okay. As long as it's not so I just don't want to have to worry about it. So check that off. You're always asking if you have to worry about the things that are in space news. Why would I tell you something scary? I, the whole episode's been a little... A little dicey. No, no, so. no, 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 no. 
So anyway, this thing, this quasar slash blazar that's shooting this enormous jet mm-hmm. of ionized particles at us yeah. uh, is a little bit bent <laughs> and not 100% straight. Yeah, I, I mean, this blazar is a little bit bent and not 100% straight. Seems like very 2020, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but that, well, that's interesting. I I like that there's at least one point in science news almost every week where I'm like, yeah, science is kind of stupid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was cool <laughs> because like this this name quasar mm-hmm. it started out as a quasi stellar star like radio source, right? Mm-hmm. So quasi stellar means star like. Okay, like it's not a star, but because the because scientists were like whoa that's a very bright thing that we don't know what it is and our radio our radio telescopes are kind of crap mm-hmm. because it's the 70s yeah and we just see a blob <laughs> and so <laughs> that's a star-like radio source right that's what you call it mm-hmm. and then this other guy this other guy uh hung Yi chu in uh 1964 mm-hmm. is uh writing a paper and he he writes so far the clumsily long name quasi-stellar radio source is used to describe these objects. Mm-hmm. And then he says, but for convenience, the abbreviated form quasar will be used throughout this paper. Oh. And he writes that as if other people call, call them quasars. <laughs> but they don't. No, he, he was like, I'm <laughs> like, say it with confidence. <laughs> yeah, he just made up this whole new thing. And he's like, oh, but we're going to call them quasars. And then for the next 50 years, everybody just straight up went with it. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and didn't and didn't question Hong Yi at all. Anyway. Now we're at Blazars. Yeah, and then Blazars are quasars that point towards us. Mm-hmm. Um there's like other kinds as well. Like there's just like luminous active galactic nuclei, which is just like the middle of a the middle of a gal- mm-hmm. galaxy, which is bright because there's stars falling into the black hole at the middle of the galaxy. And then if it's a supermassive black hole and there's enough going into it, then it's a quasar. Alright. Uh, and sometimes if the magnetic properties are proper mm-hmm. of that black hole you'll get this jet this crazy bright jet shooting out which is a really cool looking thing anyway the other thought i've had throughout this uh, as you've said some of these words is wow you yeah. could name like a lot of bands after some of these oh so <laughs> many bands are named after like like astronomical terms because they're all cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that was that's my that was my big thought while you were speaking in the last minute. So, but I yes, this uh, is really interesting. I'm excited to <laughs> learn more. I I'll look at these pictures that you've described and include them in the yeah. newsletter as well. Yeah, I'll put them in the newsletter. <laughs> I feel like when you say the thing that I've been thinking about for the last minute while you were talking, and then you say something totally different than what I've been talking about, <laughs> it makes me feel like you weren't listening. No, no, I was listening. <laughs> Uh, that's what i get out of that but i don't I was know like, maybe i'm these too are, sensitive these are fantastic <laughs> words that you were saying uh for uh, a, a fascinating uh scientific discovery as uh astronomic discovery um but my uh i'm not as well trained as you in contributing fa- uh well thought out re- rejoinder questions i guess <laughs> Uh, but you can look at the paper. It's mostly interesting because the entire first page is just the list of authors <laughs> <laughs> with like hundreds of um, affiliations. It's pretty funny. Do you like, 
as somebody who writes science papers, I don't know if you've been one with so many authors before, but um, does it like feel like cooler to be in such a big team of authors or is like, the, is that like the goal in science or do you want to like be the only name? I assume not like that. Well, I mean, so there are some like the like big theoretical papers mm-hmm. are often in physics, at least theoretical paper, which I'm not a physicist, <laughs> but like. Big theoretical breakthroughs in mm-hmm. physics are often by a, a, a small group of a few people. Mm-hmm. So, like often, like a like a like a theoretical breakthrough will be named after like the three names of the of the physicists on uh, on the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, like like if we wrote a paper together, like our our theory might be like known as like JM theory afterwards huh. because it's just like our names. Um, so that'll ha- like if you're in like a small team that can happen, mm-hmm. but on like a on an experimental team, uh, they're often really really huge, uh, and so you can either get kind of lost in that, mm-hmm. um, or you can be like this guy. I don't know what his first name is, but his last name is Ad, which is A A D, which means then that every collaboration that he's in, which is, he works with like at CERN on like the Large Hadron yeah. Collider, so all these massive papers that come out are just like cited as his name at all because his <laughs> name is like the very front of the alphabet. And so you get like all this like fame because <laughs> you just have the right name in a group of 5,000 people. Wow. Um, so, you know, it it's it's the luck of the draw really of whether or not you want to be part of a big team. Yeah. I've never been on a large team paper. I think maybe the most authors is like eight. <laughs> I think... I think I, a new aspiration I have is to, for us as a podcast to create some sort of theory so we can call it after ourselves. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the main goal. Yeah. Most authors I've ever been with is eight, but maybe someday. Yes. That's that's our that's the co-host of probably about politics, everybody. <laughs> a published author uh, whose works you can find in such prestigious uh, journals as... <laughs> we don't have to go there. okay <laughs> i appreciate the plug oh, i'm just trying to be more uh, supportive i feel like you really highlighted that i wasn't being supportive i've been supportive of you previously remember last episode when i talked about how you're so cool and you rub shoulders with people who rub shoulders with, people who rub shoulders with vladimir putin yes yeah yeah i'm very good at the six degrees of kevin bacon game anyway this episode has gone on long enough we hope that it has uh, distracted you a little bit and allowed you uh, a little bit of fun mm-hmm. during your quarantine. Um, and if you want more, make sure to tune in next week for our special one hour. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it won't be one hour. <laughs> yeah, full, we'll see. Full episode of Spaces. <laughs> uh, bonus episodes. Uh, yeah, and like and review. And if you want to stay... Uh, up to date with everything that's happening follow the newsletter by sending us an email at probablybypolitics at gmail.com or tweet at probablypolitics thanks for listening to probably the politics we love you <laughs>